Praise God. You may be seated. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost, don't you? Amen, amen, amen. amen. <laughs> Good to have all of you here. <clears throat> Those of you that uh, may have already received a contribution <clears throat> form and uh, if you didn't, and we'll be glad to mail those for those that are watching online. We are also uh, doing our best. Uh, we had uh, several different revenue streams in, <clears throat> different programs and apps, and uh, trying to uh, make sure we separate all of those out. And, um, and we also, obviously, when you give, some folks uh, put in their receipt or their, they write it on an envelope, which is good, and we record that. And then later, uh, the company sends us a list. And so we may have duplicated, or if you gave money, for instance, to uh, you were going to Israel or something, there may be, you may go, wow, I didn't do all of that. But we'll be glad to adjust it. We're uh, doing our best to keep all of it straight. If it's more or less, just tell us uh, an amount. Uh, if it's in the millions, um, <laughs> you know, the, the joke about uh, the IRS agent that uh, contacted a pastor and said, did uh, so-and-so give, uh, uh, you know, several hundred thousand dollars to your church last year? And uh, the pastor said, if he didn't, I'm sure he will. So <laughs> go ahead and uh, you can call that a yes. So anyway, uh, we will do our best. We try to do our best to keep it all <clears throat> straight, but unfortunately at times we are human and uh, mistakes can be made. And, and believe it or not, uh, things online can make mistakes. Bet y'all didn't know that, but they actually have humans that work for them too. And uh, we've had uh, some strange things that have occurred as, uh, as you all have, I'm sure, in, uh, your, <coughs> in your giving. So uh, we're thankful that um, we could be in the house of the Lord. I am thankful that <coughs> I can be here. And I was thinking about <coughs> the presence of the Lord, and I know we are growing apostolic legacy, and I was thinking about uh, the fact that God is a seeker, and I don't know that I've ever really talked about that ever in, in so many words, but, you know, we know that he is seeking, and it is, that's an easy thing to prove in the word of the Lord. And I uh, just wanted to remind us that in we are seeking after God during 40 days of fire and we're trying to do our best to seek the presence of the Lord. But God is also a seeker. And I know that it may seem that this can hit 
people unusual because some people look at God as being distant or indifferent or without feelings. God is way up somewhere. He's not interested in what I'm doing 24-7. And they have that view of God. It's in other words, uh, <clears throat> he's on a shelf somewhere and he's not a part of my life, which is so wrong. God is very interested in the minutia of your life, even as one writer put it, to how many hair you have on your head. He's interested in what you're doing during the day. He's interested in, in how your day is going. I know you may say, uh, well, even my husband or my wife or my family, they don't know about every microsecond of my life, but I'm here to tell you God knows. And when an individual thinks of God as being somewhere up there and he's too busy and he doesn't know what I'm doing, that is the trick of the enemy to make you think that God doesn't care about you or God is indifferent or God is sort of just uh, out there somewhere. Now, another, a lot of other people put God in sort of a box of being judgmental, judgmental, legalistic, <clears throat> always there with a uh, an eraser trying to get people out of, uh, you know, okay, you messed up, boy, I caught you, you did wrong, and that God is constantly doing his best to keep us from going to heaven. Nothing could be further from the truth. He died so that we could go to heaven to be with him. He went all the way to Calvary for that. For you to think and allow the enemy to think that God is trying to keep us. Let me tell you, if God decided we weren't going to heaven, think about nothing I could do to get there. Right. Nothing I could make happen that would open the door. I'm sorry, I couldn't get it. I, I am not good enough. I am not righteous enough. I am not holy enough. If God sets the bar to where you've got to be perfect and I'm not, let me tell you, nobody. So, you know, it's another trick of the enemy to keep from coming to God. An, another kind of uh, 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 wrong view uh, of God is that God is, you know, intimidating. God is this huge uh, being that he is, you know, going to have a booming voice and you're going to fall down when you get into his presence. While that is true, people did. Uh, you know, um, he is not someone that you would avoid. He is, as I said earlier, he does care about us. He is, yes, he is. And when you get into his presence, it humbles you. Yes, it, it, you feel the overwhelming sense of, uh, wow, awe and reverence and majesty. But he is always there to lift us up and to say, I want you to sit with me in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a privilege it is to know a God that cares and is personal and is not trying to intimidate us. Amen. The last but not least and not and not there could be more in the list but I have heard people say God is narcissistic or he is all about himself 
because he demands praise. He demands adoration. And I had someone one time read me John, or quote John the fourth chapter, where the, the 24th verse, but they, the end of the 23rd verse, saying God wants people to worship him. And I, I begin to look at that verse, and it's, of course, you know the story. He is talking uh, to a lady, and he's talking about uh, where they got into a discussion about where to worship. And he says these words, But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And a lot of people put that, seeketh to worship. He is seeking worshipers. <clears throat> the 24th verse, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, immediately, they can look at that as saying, well, God has this inflated ego that he must be real insecure. He must need to know how awesome he is. He has angels that are worshiping him, and he wants all of us to worship him. And he is a, you know, he's just all into himself. It's all about him. It's all about him, and that's how God is. And yet, that's really the wrong view of God as well. God doesn't need to show off, and he doesn't, he, you know, he can't be bought with praise, actually, God, and I'm going to say this, and it's really, gonna, you're going to have to stay with me to understand it, but God doesn't need or want worship. He has plenty of angels that worship him. He has plenty of beings that worship. He doesn't need worship. I'm going to kind of dissect it a little bit. What he is wanting is he wants such. The Father seeketh such to worship him. You understand? He's more interested in the worshipers than in the worship. You may say, well, I can't sing as good as somebody else. It doesn't matter how good you can sing. It's that you're willing to try to sing. Well, I don't have the words to pray and bring prayer. Oh, Father God, we come before you. It doesn't matter if all you can do is say, Lord, I love you. It's not the, the quality of the worship. It's not the quality, and we want to do our best and be on key and sing perfect notes and play good songs. And, but let me tell you, that's not what moves the heart of God. It's not the perfection of the worship. It is the heart of the worshiper. When the heart is right with God, that's what he's interested in. You say, well, I, I doubt, and I appreciate our choir, and I appreciate all of our musicians, but I'm going to be candid with you. I'm not quite sure they measure up to angelic hosts that can play harps and... Sorry. Okay? 
I can't sing a note, but when I'm standing in the shower and I'm going, oh, Lord, I love you. Huh? There's something about that that moves the heart of God more than all the beautiful angels. And I'm not, I, I'm, you know, I'm not saying just don't act like you care. We practice, we do our, our best, you know. <clears throat> but <clears throat> this whole discussion began in John the fourth chapter because this woman had told, I mean, this woman had seen Jesus and she was of Samaria and, and he had asked for water and, you know, and she was like, you're not supposed to talk to me and all these things. And finally, the Lord says, go call your husband. And she goes, well, I don't have a husband. And he goes, oh yeah, that's true. Actually, you've had five and, you know, you're living with the guy and he's not your husband. And immediately she said, you are a prophet. Because anybody that could read your mail, she was immediately saying, you're a prophet. You go back up to those verses. She then says, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place men ought to worship. Then Jesus said some amazing things. He said, woman, Believe me, the hour will come when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Then he said, true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And for the Father seeketh such... To worship him. What is he saying? He is saying, and this was radical when you think of a Jewish man saying, Jerusalem is not going to be the place to worship. I mean, the Jews to this day look to Jerusalem. We went to Jerusalem. We looked at the mosque and we looked at the place where they stand at the wall and pray and put prayers in. Huh? But he is saying, it's not Jerusalem. It's coming from somebody that will worship God in spirit and in truth. That will just be honest with God and just say, Lord, I want you to know I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I praise you. And the Father seeketh, seeks for those that will be real and honest and come into his presence and will stand there and say, Lord, you know, we want, we just want to be with you today. Now, I know, I know we have a lot of ladies that are soon to have little babies and I know um, part of a child's development, I think somewhere, I don't know if there's ever been a paper written about it, but I think is about playing peekaboo. Y'all may have never done that. But even as a baby, you know, oh, you put your hands over their eyes or over your eyes. Then you say this, peekaboo. Huh? I don't want to ask anybody to do that. Maybe it's just a southern thing. And then as the little child 
gets bigger, you know, you start playing hide and seek. And that's always fun when they're real young because, you know, you say, oh, where are you? And they go, I'm hiding. <laughs> huh? And people look at them like, oh, isn't that cute? They just don't know that they just told me where they were. Then they grow out of that stage and then maybe, you know, you actually play hide and seek in the house and, you know, hide in the bathtub, behind the shower and in the closet. Probably never done those kind of things either. I don't know if somewhere that's a developmental thing that people do with their kids is that sense and maybe later go Easter egg hunting. I don't know. Then when they get to school, they actually start playing with sheets that are hidden words or hidden pictures and find the bird and find the wheel and find the donut. Anybody? Okay, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And then these word blocks and you've got to find all these words and they're going diagonal and back and forth and up and down. For those of you who have never done those, you've missed a developmental milestone. (laughs) We can start you back on hide and seek. If you just come to me after church, we'll get a program going so that you can get caught up. We know that the Lord is a seeker of the lost. There are numerous parables, numerous stories, and I could go right now and begin to preach on several of them. He likens at one time to a woman who had lost one of the coins of her bride purchase price. She had 10, and when she counted them, she only had nine. And you remember the Lord tells the parable of how he... She takes all the furniture out, sweeps the house, starts searching, gets a candle, looking for that one lost coin. And that when she finds it, she rejoices and goes to her neighbors and says, that which was lost has now been found. Remember that parable? Seeking God, seeking for that one that was misplaced. He goes even further than one out of ten and he says there's a shepherd that has a hundred sheep and one when he comes in at night he counts 90, 95, 98, 99 no doubt maybe tries again that would be a hard job to count a hundred sheep even in a pen, you know, they're moving around. One, two, three, four, five. Maybe he tries it, count them two or three times, but he keeps getting 99. You remember what the Bible talks about him doing? Puts on his cloak, gets a, a light, starts walking the hillsides everywhere they were, looking in the bushes, looking in the places where that lamb could have gone off or astray or gotten caught in the the hedges or the thorns or the thickets. And the Bible says he goes looking for the one lost 
sheep. And when he finds it, he puts it on his shoulders and he comes back and he is rejoicing because he has found the one lost sheep. And that's one out of 99. Well, it's late. We'll get him tomorrow. He'll be there if he's caught. Why do I need to go out and looking tonight? And there are many of us that are in here that can testify of how true that is when the Lord, but all of a sudden I'm doing something maybe that I shouldn't be doing. I'm someplace where I shouldn't be. And all of a sudden the Lord shows up and you just feel this feeling and you hear this voice and he says, what are you doing here? And you need to be back in church. And huh? few of you can attest to the fact that all of a sudden God shows up in crazy places and he reminds you, uh-uh, this is not where you need to be and don't, uh uh-uh. And it's as if the Spirit of the Lord is seeking. Now, when you look in the Old Testament, of course, the, Jesus told these parables, but when you look in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles, it says the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him... He will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without the law. And when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. Yes, the Lord is a seeker and he's played hide and seek with some of us. But sometimes he wants us to also seek after him and say, Lord, I need you. You say, well, I, I, you know, I'll let the Lord do all of the seeking. Well, that's not how the game works. If you've ever played with your children or grandchildren, it's not long until they want to be the one to hide. And they want to come, you to come looking for them, huh? And you know, well, you could hide good enough that they couldn't find you, but you don't do it. You know, you hide behind the curtain with your feet dangling out. And you act like a two-year-old and say, I'm hiding. You'll never find me. Huh? And you know. He said in Chronicles, if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And he goes on through there. The Lord, when they in their trouble, did turn to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found. And it goes on later in this same chapter in, in Chronicles. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death. Whether small or great, whether man or woman, And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart 
and sought him with all their whole desire, and he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. What are you saying? And there are those that are sitting here. Brother David Guy's dad was a seeker in India looking for truth. God had him go to a whole new continent to run into an apostolic preacher that would show him that he was from Kentucky. From Kentucky. <laughs> a guy from Kentucky went to Australia to run into an Indian from India who had been a part of a, a Catholic church but was, believed there was more, was seeking from God. And one of the first people he runs into, I told you about the Sanzos, a man that comes from Italy and comes to America. And the Lord quickens him to fly to Amarillo, Texas and drive and goes into a town and the first church he goes to happens to be an apostolic church and it changed and you saw those young people that are third generation, uh, they're grandchildren of that man that sought the Lord. I, I know there are numerous stories. I, I remember Brother Lou Anderson waking up his priest one night at two or three in the morning because he was seeking something from God. I want to tell you, you don't have to look very hard and the Lord who is a seeker, he will say, here it is. I want to show you myself. I want you to understand who you are. I want you to understand what you can have with me. But that doesn't mean we need to stop seeking the Lord. That's why you see us come to the altar. That's why we're praying. That's why we're praising. We're seeking the presence of Almighty God. And there are hundreds, thousands of stories. Brother Bobby Flowers told a story of my wife this week of seeking God. And all of a sudden, Mike and Tammy Britton walk in. It's a long story shortened down to a sentence. Am I about right? All of a sudden, here it is. When I come to an apostolic, I can go through the room. You know what am I saying? That people have had these stories. When you seek the Lord, you can find him. When you seek him, but there's something about it. He wants, he is a seeker, but he is looking for somebody to seek after him. To say, Lord, I, you know, I want you to, I want you to show me. In fact, he goes as far as to say, if you will seek me, I will show you your destiny. Your destiny. You know, everybody's looking for what am I going to be when I grow up and what, how am I going to make uh, my money and what am I going to do and how, what am I going to graduate from college or am I going to go to technical school? And do you know the Lord said, if you will seek me, I will show you your destiny? If you seek me, Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Don't forget that phrase, expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and you shall go 
and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, and ye shall search for me with all your heart. Expected in in the Hebrew means future destiny or future posterity. You really want to know what you need to do with, life, with your life? Start seeking God. God will open the right doors. He'll close doors. A lot of times people don't think, well, how, how is God going to know whether I should take chemistry or algebra or seek God first? When you seek God, put God number one in your life, Oh, well, he is number one behind this and behind that and behind me getting a scholarship and me doing this and me having that and me. I want to tell you something. You will always find yourself unfulfilled when you try to set your own destiny. Why? Because God is a seeker and he wants people that will seek after him. Oh, you say, well, but I... That's why John wrote it like this. We love him because he first loved us. This whole hide and seek thing, God seeks us and then he wants us to seek him. And he wants it to be important to him. Where's God fit into my life? How do I, how do, I do this with God? Because let me tell you something. If you can't do your job and do God, your job Is not important because this is. You say, well, Deuteronomy, he told the children of Israel, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When thou art in tribulation, you know what you do? You seek God. <laughs> when all these things come on you, seek God. In the latter days, are we living in the latter days? If you turn to the Lord your God. Oh, he goes on. And, and, and be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy father, which he swore unto them. Oh, I, I want you to understand, the Lord wants somebody to seek him. That's what the whole point of us trying to do 40 days of fire to start off the year is to make sure we are putting God first, whether it's in our meat fast, whether it's in a media fast, is to make sure God is at the forefront of our mind and our thoughts this year. Why? We are seeking God. We're seeking God. We're seeking God for our community. We're seeking God for our church. We're seeking God for the miracles that we need of healing and all these things. David said it like this in Psalms, the 27th chapter. He says, though a host encamp around about me, oh, hallelujah, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after. Deliverance from the army, deliverance from the problem, deliverance from the host. No, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all 
all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacles sacrifices of joy. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to be joyful. <laughs> you know what? But when you're seeking God, enter into his presence with thanksgiving and courts and gates with praise. And, huh? Oh, I, why are you praising the Lord? You, I, I'm seeking after God. I'm entering into his presence with thanksgiving. I, I'm here and oh, I, everything's not answered yet, but I'm going to praise him anyway. What are you doing this for? I'm seeking the presence of Almighty God because I know when I start seeking him, he starts letting me find him. And and although an enemy should camp around about me, I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry in with my voice, have mercy on me and answer me. When thou settest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. There are so many stories, and I'm going to stop, but there are so many stories in the in the New Testament, a man that was blind that wanted to be out on the road to hear, son of David, son of David, a woman that had a daughter that was sick. She went to seek the Lord. Even a man, and I got a scripture on the next slide, I'm, I will talk about it tonight, but even a man that was a little short tax collector had no business getting in the presence of the Lord, yet he was willing to go climb a tree just to see the Lord. I want to tell you, you cannot make a move toward God. You say, well, he's got so much on his mind and there are so many other people and so many people that need. Oh, let me just tell you, it's up to me to be a seeker sometimes. Oh, God is seeking. You say, well, it feels like I can't find him. Hang on. He's playing peekaboo with you. He is a seeker. He is seeking somebody that will worship him from the heart. Lord is not interested in a choir. He's got angelic hosts. He could let them sing. That's not what he's interested in, but he's interested in somebody that from the heart will just open up and say, Lord, I want to praise you. I want to, want to thank you. Some numerous stories in the New Testament. One was an Ethiopian eunuch, remember, was searching the scriptures. He'd just come from Jerusalem. He wanted to know what's going on. How do you get to be this nail in the temple? All of a sudden, the Lord translated Philip from a hot revival down to a chariot on the roadside. Remember the story? The preachers looked at him and said, do you understand what you're reading? 
He goes, I don't know anything about this. He said, let me tell you, you want, it, you want some of this? Here's water. Let me let you get baptized. Huh? Read it in the book of Acts. Somebody seeking, genuinely seeking. I can tell you, Brother Galoni, Jamie, Tim, went to California. What's going on? What happened to my brother? I can go through the room. People started seeking God. And the Lord showed up. You say, well, I just want him to hit me between the eyes. You don't need to let him hit you. In fact, I'd be more afraid of a lightning bolt than I would have just playing peekaboo with him. All you have to do is say, Lord, I want you. I want to feel your presence. I want to get into your presence. I want you to guide me. I want you to tell me, lead me. I want you to take me. And let me tell you, you'll find him. Let's stand. Hallelujah.